Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Have you seen anything like that in your NFL career? Never seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros. Never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just... Completely disrespectful when to did, uh, his teammates. Did he say anything to you? Did, as a veteran, did he say anybody to anybody? He didn't say nothing to nobody. He left? When did yeah, you, you know as much as I know. I know I found out going in the second half of the game. Uh, coming out, said they said he's not coming out, he retired. Hmm. So. What? Yep, that's it. So, who, who said uh, that? Who said what? Who said he was These guys on the sideline. Side yeah. I mean, guys heard about it and said that he wasn't coming back out. So that's Lorenzo Alexander, awesome. uh, a teammate of Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis is who apparently retired at halftime. I didn't realize that the situation with like Josh Peterman and Nathan Alexander, I didn't realize it was that bad. It was forcing people to retire at halftime. It's hard. To, I've never seen anything like it. And he had a prepared statement, by the way. So he must have known he was doing it because the statement came out yesterday. It's like a six paragraph statement about God and about his health. And all these different things. I, uh, as a front office guy, there's more to this story. So he says, Oh, there's absolutely more. Yeah. There's, this is brutal. Like this is embarrassing for the Bills. I mean, we talked a lot about how bad this team, how this team was lost last year when Terod Taylor, you know, was, was benched in the middle of the year for Peterman. Then this year traded away. This team knows they're awful, knows they're basically tanking. And now you're seeing the result of it. But I agree. With Alexander, like this is one of the worst looks you could have if you're Vontae Davis. Like you don't, it's one thing to say to give the organization a middle finger and say, you know, screw you guys, I'm out of here. But what he did to his teammates is, I think, is what's messed up. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, I mean, I didn't retire at halftime of a game, but I essentially retired at halftime of a game. I told one of my coaches where he could go. Which coach? Yeah, it's all. Everybody kind of knows who that is, probably. Um, but effectively, it ended my career. Like I everyone retired, but me. Everyone. Oh yeah. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, Tyrone Corbin would be his name. Like he was one of my favorite coaches of all time. Like we wow. have a running joke on the program. Um, but look, isn't isn't Vontae Davis like all jokes aside with my personal stuff? But uh, isn't he the dude in Hard Knocks like eight years ago that they they he said he just wanted to go see his grandma or something like that when he was dealing with the Dolphins? Yeah, to yeah, to, I believe to, that was him. Yeah. So he's a he might be like a little different. No, like, I mean, in terms of the way mentally, like he kind of, uh, like processed the situation and so on and so forth. Like there are guys, we talk about this all the time. Like they can be bless your heart guys and still be fantastic. I play with a lot of NBA guys, not the brightest bulbs in the pack, but like they were fantastic at what they did. Like anyone who would think it's appropriate to leave a locker room and retire at halftime of the game and quit on your, your teammates, your, your career and all of that. Like I got to wonder what's going on up there. I'm trying to picture the scene. Danny, tell me in the clubhouse, in the NFL, during halftime, you don't take your pads off, right? You're sitting there. No. It's only 15 minutes. So I'm picturing Vontae Davis. He walks in. He starts undoing his shoulder pads. His helmet's off. He's got to do something with his shoulder pads, right? Hang them up maybe in the in the locker. Or does he literally walk out <laughs> of the clubhouse full uni and just get in an Uber and leave? Because that how would you not notice? Way. No, see, here's the thing. Some guys, most of the team leaves their pads on. Some guys will change undershirts. They might take them off for a few minutes. They're a pain to get off and on, but some guys might change. So you could see where it could be, 
you know, and there's only it's only 12 minutes for halftime. It's very frenetic. Coaches are trying to coach up players. You know, there's like a two minute deal where all of a sudden you've got to get back on the field to get warmed up. So I could see a scenario where Vontae kind of slips off, takes off his pads, and then kind of everybody has to go back on the field so fast that they don't know what's happening. Maybe a manager, like a ball boy, might say, hey, Vontae, it's time to get back out there. And he's like, nah, I'm out of here. Peace. And that could have been how it went down because even Alexander said, how did you find out? He said, guys were whispering about like, we're, we're, you know, talk. It was like gossip on the sideline. Like, did you hear what happened to Vontae? Which is such a messed up deal. Like it really is. But Raza, see, here's the thing I appreciate about you. And I was in the same boat. Like I was in the Broncos. When I, my last team that I was on, I got benched and I knew I was going to be done. Like I knew I was going to get cut and I wish I would have quit. I wish I would have walked out, but I didn't because I was like, you know what? I don't want to ever be a quitter. And that's why I'm assuming like you did the same thing. Like you might have been miserable, but you weren't just going to bail on your teammates. Yeah. I mean, I was, it, it was pretty much, I was miserable. Um, but I did love, my, I loved my teammates. Like even in right. the dispute that I had going on with the front office and the coaches, like I loved all my young guys and the, and my vets. Like I, I just, I loved, uh, I loved it too much to just walk out. You know what I mean? So that's, but let's look. I can't imagine you ever being grumpy, by the way. No, me? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> go, I can't even believe Go it. figure. Ask my wife and my kids. Never. If ever grumpy. Um, <laughs> but there were, there were, look, there were some really cool things that happened in the NFL, like some great storylines that played out. Um, what, hey, Danny, what would your reaction have been if I told you a couple weeks ago that for the first two weeks of NFL football, you'd have Patrick Mahomes, right, and Ryan Fitzpatrick as the best two quarterbacks possibly in the NFL. And then the first two weeks, Blake Bortles would have outplayed um, Tom Brady and they would have smacked the, the Patriots. It's insane. I mean, this has been one of the wildest openings in the NFL season. It's been great for the game. Out of those storylines, I probably would have said – Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, you might see him. He's been really hot and cold. I mean, there's a reason why teams have paid him to be their starting quarterback. He's up there in age. Tampa has a lot of uh, weapons. Uh, Bortles, you kind of feel like, hey, that defense, he can still play good. The surprise of the season to me has been Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this kid is lights out so far. And credit to Andy Reid because I thought this was a hugely risky move. Because remember, he had Alex Smith, who was a, you know, steady as she goes type quarterback, wouldn't make the mistakes. And then all of a sudden you put this quarterback in there and Mahomes is slinging it all over the yard. And all of a sudden you see the potential of what this offense looks like with all those weapons. It's scary for everybody in the AFC. They just put everybody in the AFC on notice for sure. Danny and Raja, it's two games. People have been yep. losing their minds. I'm getting texted and Twittered and messaged that this guy's the greatest ever. Similar to what happened after Darnold had a good game. I agree he's had two good ones, but I like putting things in the baseball terms. He's now played 20 games in April and had a very good first 20 games in April. That's it. So I would only say that let's not coordinate him yet because while he does have the pedigree of having a major league player as his father – I'm not sure that really matters. I think that when he starts facing defenses who are now going to focus on him a little more, see what his tendencies are, I'd like to wait maybe six games before all of a sudden spending a segment and a half on Mahomes. <laughs> I, I, I'll about, give you that. No, but how, about this, how about this, David? Because I think you are spot on. I think we do that in today's society. I mean, it's just kind of the instant reaction, the hot take. Hey, this guy's going to be, you know, he's on pace for 80 touchdowns. Is he going to get to 50 or what, whatever the number is? Here's what I'll say. I said it about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll say it about Sam Donald. Say it about Patrick Mahomes. And you could say it about a baseball player. Every, every athlete, wherever you are, you're going to face adversity at some time. 
How do you respond? And it's the same thing in baseball. Baseball players, no matter how good of a hitter or a pitcher you are, you're going to have slumps. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a bad game. How does he respond to that game? That's always the barometer for me. Before I'll go all in on a quarterback or all in on, on any athlete, I want to see how they do when they face adversity. And we don't know that yet because it's been so great for Patrick Mahomes. But as far as like composure, execution, like you should be excited if you're a Chiefs fan. You absolutely should be excited. But I'm with you. Like before we put him in the Hall of Fame, before we say he's going to be MVP, remember we did this with Alex Smith last year through five games. He looked outstanding in that offense. It's a 16-game season, and this is a very young quarterback. Um, so he becomes the first player in NFL history to throw 10 TD passes uh, in the first two weeks of the season. And while that is early, I mean, still you hold the record for that. What I first of all, I don't think he like Alex Smith looked a certain way. This kid looks way different than Alex Smith. Like Alex oh, Smith he's did got it. A he's more yeah, polished, and his arm is. Insane. I mean, he, yeah, he's got a rocket, and and you just it looks like the moxie is a little different than Alex Smith. The mentality is. Um, and why I think he can be successful, although I agree with you, like the jury's still out. I mean, the weaponry there for a guy who's not afraid to get it downfield, like, is really, it's really potent. He's got a lot of toys to get that ball to, um, and a lot of guys that can make big plays, you would say, right, Danny? Yeah, I do, and I actually forgot they had Sammy Watkins. I'm looking there, he's slinging it all over to Travis Kelsey, um, to Tyreek Hill. You got Kareem Hunt, who also looks really special. They have so many weapons, and that's, I went back and watched, the highlights of the game and uh, on NFL Game Pass, one of our, hey, shout out to NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch like an extended version of highlights. And what I saw from those was you did see Andy Reid's scheme getting guys wide open. And to David's point, all these defensive coordinators, they will be putting in cramp sessions, trying to see, all right, how can we defend this, this system, which is so high powered? And you saw adjustments made last year, and they started to slow them down a little bit. What happens when those defensive coordinators start getting more film of this? Because a lot of those plays were open. And credit to Patrick Mahomes for making those throws. But there will be, it's a, it's a, you know, it will, there will be um, a come to reality moment. But it's just, I think this offense is really good. And I still think they're possibly, I mean, when you look at what's going on with the Steelers, you look at what's going on with the Patriots. They, like, as far as power rankings, which dueled on Wednesday, I think the Kansas City Chiefs deserve to be at the top of the list in the AFC. One of the things that I love watching is older guys, how they deal with younger guys. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it, obviously, with Mahomes and Roth- Roethlisberger, yeah. thinking to myself, he's slinging it 60 times, and he's looking at this young kid. He's exhausted. He can't lift his arm today. And I felt it a little during the Jaguars-Pats game. Watching Brady, it just, he looked and felt old to me for the first time. And it's definitely going to happen, obviously, but he was just seemed a step short. The Jaguars watching that game, they were the better team. That's not an upset for me. I actually think the Jaguars are maybe even better than the Patriots. Can you believe anyone would say that? <laughs> and it's possible that Bortles is better than Brady today, today, yesterday. So it was, Ooh, uh, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, everyone become. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be calm. If you say something anti-Brady, like in the world, yeah, it's become, blasphemous. It's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, Danny, go. He Your does, platform. So I think, do you remember Peyton Manning's last year with the Broncos? And he actually had an awful year statistically, but yet still won the Super Bowl. You started to see him really concerned almost too much about protecting himself. And I saw, I thought you saw a little bit of that yesterday with Tom Brady. When he sees pressure, ball's gone. Like he doesn't want to take that hit because there is some concern. Like what happens if this age, if I do get hit, I still think he'll be fine. Last year it looked way worse 
their opening loss against Kansas City and everybody was saying it's over, it's done. So I think it's a little, you know, it's not time to say, hey, there's panic time and the dynasty has has run its course, it's come to an end. But I think, David, to your point, the Jaguars are a better football team. They across the board. Their defense is better. Um, and they did this without Leonard Fournette. That's what's insane. Without Leonard Fournette, they were able to do this. And Blake Bortles was able to throw uh, for 377 yards and put this team on his back, which is something even last year you would not have thought you would ever say. And so I'm with you. I think this team, this roster on the Jaguars is better apart from maybe quarterback or from quarterback and tight end with Gronk, who Jalen Ramsey, credit to him talking all that trash. Do you see Gronk's numbers? Not very impressive. Two or three Just catches. Yep, that's it. That was all he did. So credit to Jalen Ramsey. If you're going to talk all that trash, back it up. I love it. Um, so a couple things we talked about offense usually taking a little longer to develop than defense the, that stuck out to me. Um, Blake Bortles looked good, but guys were, I mean, wide open. These were throws that in some cases I imagine I could have made. So I think that <laughs> that probably has to do with scheme too, though, Danny, more so than, than Blake. I mean, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from the strides he's made, but they were wide open. Um, NFL network reported though, that the Jags lost one of their linemen, Cam Robinson, that's got to be big for them, right? A team that uh, relies on kind of protecting Blake, running the ball, um, and letting the defense and letting the defense do what they did. But I just I want to move on before because I want to talk about this Tampa team and my new favorite player in the NFL. Um, and I, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, I look not just from what he's doing on the field. Like I think that all that's great, but I didn't know that the dude's personality was like this. Man, he shows up and he's wearing Deshaun Jackson's outfit at the press conference. The beard is glorious. He looks like Conor McGregor. He's got he got ice and stuff. Like it's like talk to me about this dude. I don't even know who he is. I love it. I think it's so fantastic. And when it first came out, I was like, there's no way he did this because this is very out of character. He's a Harvard grad, Roger. Like he's one of the, I think he might have the record for the highest Wonderlick score in the history of the NFL combine. And, but he's shown these glimpses. Like he's a really good quarterback. But here's what, here's what I thought when I saw this happen. And then I found out it was Deshaun Jackson's outfit that he stole. Like this made me miss being in a locker room. Like after a win, being able to goof around, being able to go grab your boy's stuff and put it on and kind of mess with the media. That made me miss being on a team. Like I love that aspect of it, but he can, he can sling it all over the yard. And he's got, speaking of weapons, like this team with Mike Evans, you saw OJ Howard, the tight end had a big touchdown catch for him. Deshaun Jackson, who only had three touchdown catches all of last season, all of a sudden becomes this much of a part of the, a, a part of the team. I don't think this team switches, goes back to Jameis Winston and I wouldn't either. I know there's kind of this old adage and I'll be curious to hear David's thoughts on this that you can't lose your job due to injury, forget that, man. If you are winning and you're rolling with the quarterback, stay with them. Yeah, you go with the hot hand. I think baseball is a little different than football. In in this case, in football, I think you do go back to Winston because I think you've gotten more out of Fitzpatrick than you expected to get. And when you've, when you've had a higher return than what you predicted when you had an injury replacement, what's wrong with selling at the high? I think you bring Winston back and, and Fitzpatrick's ready to go. You've got two quarterbacks then who are strong and ready. Yeah, to your point. Here's what, um, here's what I would disagree though. I think you can go back to Jameis if Fitzpatrick struggles. You know, like, cause he's only, so Winston comes back in week four. If you're three and oh, why not just keep rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick? And then if he has a bad game or if he's getting blasted, if you're getting hurt back in there, then you go back to Jameis Winston because you still have 13 games. A lot can happen over the course of that schedule. And if you're rolling as much as they are, I would not mess with a good thing. 
I mean, it's got, it's coming at some point, right? Right now he's 48 to 61, 819 yards, eight TDs and one interception. And like, one way to go. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, but I'm, I'm with you. And apparently, like I read an article saying that Jameis Winston, um, is cool with it. He said that he's all right. He's, he's in for whatever is best for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I think is really mature for a guy who usually gets labeled as being pretty immature. Like that's a pretty mature stance from your, your starting franchise quarterback, uh, as it pertains to him coming back and playing. I think his agent wrote that for him. I don't because I think <laughs> when I watch Jameis, no, honestly, when I watch him, although I don't know that he's lived up to the hype and clearly he makes some bad decisions. I do think he's a team guy. When I watch him play, he seems to put the team before like himself. So that it doesn't really, I think that's genuine. I don't know. Danny knows he is. better I think than I do. Right. No, I think you're right. I think he will. He'll say the right things. And look, he's in a tough spot because he needs to win back some fans. He needs to, you know, get some good vibes going. But I think ultimately, I think he really is a good player. He was a baseball player at Florida State. And, you know, that's when you're not on the field every play in another sport. I think it helps you kind of understand the team concept. And it doesn't mean he doesn't want his job back or be a starter. But I think he wants to win for this franchise. But ultimately, he does have to worry about his future and where it could be. But I think he realizes, too, it's going to be a long season. A lot can happen over the course of the 13 games when he gets back. No doubt. Um, let's go to break. Uh, coming up next, we'll have some stuff. We'll talk about kickers, your favorite people in NFL locker rooms, Danny. Um, I want to talk about the, the Browns who just can't seem to get a win no matter what. And your favorite topic, ties in sports. All that up next on Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Canell and Bell. Uh, one of my favorite games going into the weekend was going to be the Packers and the Vikings, right? I really wanted to see, first of all, um, what Aaron Rodgers looked like on the knee, seeing if it was really able to withstand the pounding that it had to take. And then I was really honestly looking forward to seeing your boy Kirk Cousins because the jury was still out for me on Kirk and what he would look like, you know, in this new team. Was he the guy for the Vikings? I think clearly, like, he took a step up in my book. He was slinging it all around the yard. He looked good. You had this back-and-forth game, super entertaining. Uh, and then we come out with our second tie in the last two weeks of NFL football. Um, David, tell me how you, you feel about these ties. Well, first of all, that game should not have been a tie. The two field goals missed at the end by the Vikings. There was a walk-off 35-yarder, which should have been a gimme. I felt like he was Scott Norwood, just not in his biggest situation. I hate ties. I'm watching an entire game, and now this is two weeks in a row where there's complete lack of closure, totally dissatisfied as a fan. I want someone to be a winner and someone to be a loser. Now I have to look every time. One zero and one. One. It's what is this hockey? Yeah. No. What's worse? No. It's, it's worse. It's, it's soccer. Bad, it's worse oh, because it's yes. soccer. We need to get rid of these ties. I am a hundred percent on board with you. And not so. There are two major issues for me. One, you have the ties, which I think the NFL is a really simple solution. Go to NF or go to college football rules for overtime. College football overtime is the most thrilling aspect of football. Like you put two teams, they both get opportunities to score, so you see both offenses and defenses get a chance to have an impact on the outcome. There still are extra points and field goals involved, so you still could have that drama of kickers being involved in it. But here's the problem I also have. Kickers are becoming way too much of an impact on the outcomes of games. And they don't mean that much. So here's the thing. David, I would equate this. If there's a tie in baseball, it'd be like asking the bullpen catchers to come out and have a home run derby to see who wins the game. They're not, a, they're not, they're not the true uh, athletes uh, in the no sport. Way, not the it same. is up. We need to try to eliminate Danny. the kick from the outcomes this much. Danny, you're a quarterback, so I respect that, but kickers are hugely important. Who doesn't they remember some of the most famous plays in football history are off the feet 
of kickers. Yeah. But that's the problem. They shouldn't be that big of an impact. These guys are in there playing cards and reading books while all these other dudes are out there putting their bodies uh, on the line and practice every day. We need to take them out of the game as much as we can. All the, But by the way, there was another major issue I think the NFL has because this was the first time you talked about, hey, Kirk Cousins playing great. I thought he played great. But he and the Vikings were gifted the opportunity late in that game by the hit that was called on him from Clay Matthews, who all he did was hit him after he threw the ball. It was not a helmet to helmet. It was not his weight on the ground. They said it was a just a, a regular roughing the passer. If, and Clay Matthews was livid about it. Packers fans were livid about it. They have every right because it has taken it too far. They are protecting the quarterback too much. They cannot have that type of an impact, and especially in that part of the game. You can't let the game's outcome be determined on a penalty like that one. It was way too costly, and it was a bad look for the NFL. Danny, hold on one second. I know we're live. I have George Blanda on the other phone. You're going to unfollow Canel? He didn't really mean that. George, I, I love you, George. Okay, we're live. He played, played till he was like 65, didn't he? Um, <laughs> that shows. So would you have, better. Danny, if you could have? You're 100% right. I would have. Maybe I should have been a kicker, too. I could have played till I was 45. I think he, he played till he was 45, 46, the oldest player. George Blanda. Um, so, look, Dolphins, another storyline. I I mean, most people would have expected them to kind of struggle um, coming into the season. I think outside of South Florida, most people would have. Um, they're 2-0. and They look really good. Defense um, looks really solid. Ryan Tannehill looks good. Sam Darnold, on the other hand, we had projected after one week to be the next coming of, I don't know, Joe Montana. Struggled a little bit yesterday. He was 25-41, 334 yards, uh, one TD versus two picks, and he was sacked three times. He is the youngest quarterback to throw for 300 yards in a, in a game. But uh, should we kind of pump the brakes a little bit and put our perspective, I mean, put a little perspective on the whole Sam Darnold train at this point? Of course, of course we should. I mean, it was, this is exactly the Sam Darnold you saw when he was at USC. And this was the concern people had about him when you drafted him is he had a propensity to make a lot of mistakes. The thing is, there is an upside there, which you saw in the week one, uh, win against the Lions. You can see his composure. You can see him not letting things get too big for him here with, and, and of course we overreacted. Like it was one game and it was against the Lions. So everybody just relax. And I feel bad because having been in the New York market and played there, like they, if everything, if we overreact to everything in our society, just multiply it by 10 in the New York area because it's just, it's what they do. The back pages, they're having a ton of fun with him, putting his page, plastering him all over the back page of the New York Daily News and the New York Post. Slow down a little bit. And here would be my concern with Sam Darnold and the mistakes he's had at USC. Look at Jameis Winston. We just talked about him. Interceptions, poor decision-making plagued him at Florida State, and he has not been able to get past those in the NFL. That's where Sam Darnold can be this great quarterback, but he's got to eliminate some of the mistakes he made in college, and he's got to do it at the next level. It's early. It's only one game, and the upside is there, but he's got to start you know, that process now. And the good thing is he's doing it on the field, and you're seeing him. He's still at over 300 yards, so you're still seeing those glimpses. It just needs to be tempered and say, hey, it still is a rookie. I dismissed a lot of that to him being young. There was one of the interceptions as a South Floridian. I had to watch every down of that entire <laughs> right. game when there was all sorts of other games I could have been watching. But I'm watching Darnold in the first interception, just a young quarterback. He did not look away the safety. 
he thought the safety was going away, and then the safety just dropped right back in and intercepted it. Darnold's eyes didn't move. And one of the things we look at with quarterbacks, obviously, Danny, you do, you didn't do this, which is why you were a longtime pro. If your eyes stay one place as a defender, it's super easy to know where you're looking, and that's what happened in one of the picks. I think that's just youth. And the other thing about Darnold that was interesting to me, I think he may read his own press. And when you do that as an athlete, we tried to take newspapers out of the clubhouse because when you start reading and believing what people are saying to you, especially in the New York market, it could cost you. Yeah. Um, Here's the problem though, David. Here's the, here's the thing. And I, I totally agree with you. Gotta, you gotta try to get out the noise, take all that out of it. It's impossible in today's day and age to ignore all the chatter. Cause I mean, I, I, I remember like in the locker room, uh, when I was on the Giants playing in New York, and, you know, you go in the bathroom and there'd be papers all around. I could just throw them to the side and not look at them. Now you have people texting you. You have the 24-7 coverage. Every TV in the, in the club, in the clubhouse or locker room is on, you know, some channel that's going to be somebody blasting you or telling you how great you are. It is almost impossible to insulate yourself from some of that. You've got to try. I agree with you, but it's almost impossible to do it nowadays. Yeah, nothing good comes from reading your own press. You, to your point, Danny, it's it's almost impossible, but you have to, if you can, stay away from reading if, that. If you're going to read your press, you have to believe the bad if you want to believe the good. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but true. even even then, if you read too much bad and you're not wired to – like if, you, if you're not mentally tough enough, that, that could be um, – that could be very bad. So for here's Look, so here's what I think is interesting about these young quarterbacks. I love the fact that the Jets rolled them out there. And as much as we blasted the Bills and how they didn't have a plan, I actually think the best thing that's happening with them right now is Josh Allen is out there making some mistakes on the field. And it wasn't as bad as you know it could have been. Like they still were around. They're still an awful team. They're still probably going to struggle to get three wins on the season. But at least they're out there. And now with some of these young quarterbacks playing, I'm looking around saying, all right. When is Josh Rosen going to see the field? Because the Cardinals looked atrocious for the second week in a row. And Baker Mayfield, when is he going to get that opportunity? And this one isn't so much about Terod Taylor. He made an awesome throw to Antonio Callaway to, you know, put that game in a position where they could come back. But we know how the business works. It becomes more about the future and the draft picks. And that's where the political, you know, stuff comes involved. I think you're going to see those guys start playing really soon too. Are you moving your over under on the Dolphins? Are you thinking right now at two and zero oh, that the six and a half over under which they had? Are you feeling like you're, you're loving the over, or do you feel as though it's a little early to say they're good? Because for me, I think it's a little early to say they're going to win seven games. They're over six and a half. You're, I don't, I, I don't know that they're that's world a, beaters, but they're over six and a half. That's the thing. I think they, the fact that they've already gotten two this early is a huge advantage. Um, then they got the Raiders this week coming to town. The Raiders have been bad. Um, I think they're way better than I thought they'd be. Granted, the teams they've beaten, the Titans, you know, with that crazy game, with the rain out, you know, all the delays that were there, the Jets playing with a rookie quarterback. Like, they are games that the Dolphins, you know, look at and like, all right, they're starting to steal some of these wins. I think they do get that six and a half. The question is, are they a legitimate, like, can they get to seven wins? Can they get to eight and eight? Maybe contend for a wild card. How do they stack up against the Patriots? Which we'll find out in two weeks. They go on the road to Foxborough. That'll be the barometer of me. They could start three and zero, and I would still say, all right, let's see how they do against the Patriots and see what they're made of. Because you want to be tested against the best, and that's the only way you'll find out exactly how good this Dolphins team is. But hey, I'm a Dolphins fan. Grew up down here too. I'm excited because they have been horrendous the last few years. So good for them for starting off strong. Yeah, well, they got Gruden coming in. What? So I'll tell you right now, we're saying three and zero. Oh. 
Gruden needs a W. Did you see him at the end of the game? <laughs> Another Josh? laughable quote. We got to do something to get more pressure, maybe call more blitzes. Like, just no no real feel for the situation well, and what Gruden happened. Gruden lost his mind last night. Uh, when, when, when it, well, yeah, at the end of that game, Danny, I he looked as though he was thinking to himself, I left the broadcast booth to feel like this. He looked terrible. <laughs> his gut was, like, large. He looks like he's gained 30 pounds already. I just kept thinking to myself, was the money really worth it? Because he was despised. Bondant. A hundred million will help a lot of those health issues he may have down the road. That's his contract. But that was as ugly a loss as they get. Blowing that lead to Case Keenum. Credit to the Broncos for coming back in that spot. They, You talk about a team with a back against their wall. That is the ultimate trap game for the Dolphins. Because the Dolphins, you talk about reading press clippings. They're going to start hearing how great they are. Now you've got the Raiders who are, they have to be in this you know, backs against the wall, must win type situation. That feels like a trap game. And another one where you feel, all right, let's see the Dolphins. Can they handle a game they're supposed to win? Um, but yeah, I think I'm worried about Gruden because when you send off Khalil Mack, a player who was liked in that locker room, if you lose those players and they quit on you, it could be a really long season. And those two losses are not going to help his cause at all. Early pick, Danny. Raiders, Dolphins. It's think a three and a half spread. I'll go Dolphins on that one. I like them playing at home. Taking the Raiders. Ooh, already early. I like that. Fading them. I like it. All right. Well, (laughs) look, we were going to get to the AP, but we'll save that for tomorrow. Danny, thanks for uh, joining us from wherever you are with the the beautiful, great background. We'll see you tomorrow, bro. I'm in a chess tournament. You can't tell the the background (laughs) of the chess pieces back there. We'll see you, bro. Have a safe flight back. Um, Good luck, Danny. Up next, we're going to talk some baseball with David Sampson. That's my break. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Um, dude, my favorite time of year, like, bar none. I mean, you got NBA season um, I think coming people up. think I'm Danny Canel. That, that's great. Yeah, I think you guys could be uh, – I was going to make a joke probably, but, like, that joke. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I think you could be confused with Danny. Um, you know why it's my favorite time of year? Why? Baseball playoffs coming up, bro. Oh, my God. Right around the corner, man. Like, you're talking about Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. And the like, Oscar goes to – Thank you. We just talked about acting, right? So I played good. that so so good. All right, but let's talk, dude, because we got some topics. Um, Jacob Degrom and what is that? Chris Sale. Chris Sale is a pitcher. Yeah, no, but I know, and Degrom's a pitcher for the Mets. Yes, they went up against each other on Sunday. Any takeaways from that? Yeah, here's my nugget. Yeah, it was fun to watch the game. First of all, Sundays during football season in September are very tough for me. Okay, remember the old picture in picture? Oh yeah, PIP, bro. Love right, that. PIP. Yeah. I don't have PIP, so all I have is last. Oh. What I'm doing is hitting last channel, last channel, looking to try to catch the right plays. Yeah. So it ends up that you watch nothing. I'm just yeah, absolutely. You're just catching. Drives me crazy. Degrom and Sale, what a great matchup! But in the real world, here's what the Red Sox were doing, and I was thinking about it all day watching. They're so happy Degrom's on the Mets and not the Yankees. Right. He's so good, and that if the Yankees had traded for him or any of the other contenders. That that would have made the difference in winning a World Series. Why not though? Like, why in baseball do bad teams like the Mets hold on to Jacob Degrom? Like, why? It's inexcusable because uh, there's only one reason. Because they're delusional. They think that they're going to be good next year. That this year was an aberration. What they don't realize is they haven't been good for years. I'm saying they they got the same approach every year for like the last seven years. Total delusion. You moved to Grom, you could have gotten anything you wanted out of the Yankees. Right. Now, Brian Cashman will say, oh, I wouldn't have traded Andujar. I wouldn't have traded Glaber Torres. Guess what? If you can bring in Jacob DeGrom, a number one like that, you do it. And here's what the Yankees are going to do. They're going to get Aaron Judge back. 
because he hurt the wrist and now he can play the field. He's going to do a little hitting, but they have no pitching. They're losing one-run games right now, and what you see in October as a baseball guy, offense goes away. Pitching becomes a premium. Correct. And what are they going to do? Severino? So you're telling Naka? me they're going to get Aaron Judge back after all of this and it's going to be too little too late because they don't have the, they don't have the arms. To me, it's too little too late. They're only a game and a half up. Picture this. If Oakland catches them. Yeah. The little Oakland A's, the small market Oakland A's. Sure. In front of 17 people at the Alameda Coliseum. They could be hosting a wild card game with 60,000 people where the Yankees could very easily be one and done. The Yankees have to fly from New York all the way to Oakland to play that game. And if they win, fly all the way east to play the Red Sox and face Chris Sale two days later. Do you blame them not getting DeGrom more on the Mets or more on the Yankees? And was there anybody else out there that the Yankees could have or should have, like, given up the prospects or the farm for? Madison Baumgartner. Yeah. Make offers. What we tried to do in the front office is when we wanted, and we did a bunch of deadline deals, make offers that the other team cannot refuse, even if it's an overpay. So here's where we get criticized. You overpaid. The trade didn't work. Well, guess what? I'd rather try. I'd rather go down swinging yeah. than stand at the plate and watch strike three pass me by. Sure. And I think that's what Cashman did. You have to offer enough that the Mets can't say no. I got you. Um, let's keep it moving to the NL West. You got the Rockies trying to hold on to a half-game lead out there. Does it get done? I think the Dodgers have to catch him. They have a three-game series starting tonight, which I know you're going to watch. I'm tuned in. Three, you're tuned in DVR right set up. now. Yeah, it's set up. DVR. Yeah, DVR. The only guy in the world DVR in baseball. Yeah, yeah. You just lost all credibility. <laughs> you DVR baseball. I DVR baseball. What do you? I, how can I come in here on Mondays and and talk baseball or any day for that matter if I'm not DVR and breaking down? So you wake up at happening. two in the morning and watch the DVR. Yeah, I go through who came in, what, who they called up in the bullpen, like in what inning is that? Like the fourth, fifth. Aja. I'm watching. I need you're a to pro's know. Pro. What's, what I love about you is when we show a graphic like right now, Correct. is you're on the Google yeah. saying, oh, is that the National League? Is it the Google? It's the Google. It's the Google. You're on All the right. interweb. I'm on the- <laughs> you're seeing the Rockies up by a half a game and saying, wow, they play each other. Yeah. Which they do. They go, um, tonight. Tonight. And, and are both either one of these teams better set up for success in October? Purely from like the, the, the standpoint of pitching. Um, I think the Rockies this. have a better team. They have a better rotation. The Dodgers have more experience and more pedigree, so there's a fear factor. Oh, it's the mighty Dodgers. But if you do position by position, I would take I would take the Rockies almost all the way. Right. But for them to hold on, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to win this series two for two out of three. So let's say they don't hold on, right? And they they slide into uh, the second spot there, and then you got the Cardinals, and you'd have the Rockies vying for that NL wild card. Um, we didn't talk about the Cardinals. How do you feel if you throw them in that three-team mix of Dodgers, Rockies, Cardinals? So I got an NBA story for you, the Cardinals. You ever been down 20 in a game? Sure. Right? And then you work your ass off to get back in the game. Yeah. And you tie it with three minutes left. You expended so much energy to get You lose by seven. Yeah. <laughs> right? How many times did that happen? Yeah, all the time. All the time. The Cardinals went on this incredible hot streak to get themselves back in the playoff picture. Everyone was all over the Cardinals. Mike Matheny, forget him. This was the greatest managerial switch of all time. Guess what? Now they cooled off. Yeah. The Cardinals will not be able to hold on. So I think the the loser of the Rockies Dodgers for winning the NL West, I think becomes the wild card with the Brewers. Gotcha. Um, all right, let's keep uh, the baseball deep dive was fantastic, but we got to move on. Like it was socially relevant. We've got um, an Alabama linebacker after they played Ole Miss this weekend. He was trolling the Ole Miss wide receivers uh, on Twitter. Um, what did he say? We're bring. Yep. Okay, Hannah. Socially relevant. My bad. 
Raj, are you trying to take over my job here? My bad, Hannah. <laughs> Hannah, we have something to tell you. Monday, dude. Sorry. No, that was great. I was like, oh, oh, that's 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 my thing. <laughs> it's okay. My acting skills are just as good as yours, Raja. So back in 2017, you already talked about it. Ole Miss and their wide receivers adopted the nickname Nasty Wideouts, also known as NWO. And the Rebels are still about it. You can see them on the sidelines celebrating with the NWO championship belt during the games. Every week they determine a new receiver of the belt, blah, blah, blah. You get the picture. Bama is here to shut them down. Alabama linebacker Mac Wilson tweeted out NWO, LOL, hashtag nobody was open, hashtag Roll Tide. So, David Raja, is it acceptable to call a team out when you just beat them 62 to 7? Not very nice. Not very <laughs> necessary. And it's, but to me, that's them. Like, I'm not a big fan of Saban or the yeah. old crew. Um, that is, I, to me, that seems like Pile anti who they are. But, like, usually you don't have guys coming out of Alabama camp talking a lot of smack. They just move, you know, kind of in silence and do what they do. But I love it. Look, after you smack somebody like that, you could tweet at him whatever you want. Like you, you were not open. None of you after the first play of the game, which was like a seventy-yard strike. After that, it was a wrap. Isn't it better to act like you've been there before, which they have? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I want celebrations. I want excitement, and but I, I feel as though what they were doing is trying to get followers. If they were on the field acting like they hadn't been there before, one thing. But if you're gonna take a shot like that, like one little quick clean shot through Twitter, I'm cool with it. But it doesn't give you a chance to retaliate. I wanted. To, I want you to do that on the field. What, so we could get into a fight and everybody gets suspended? Well, it just you sound like me now. Yeah, I hear. No, I hear. Well, I spend mornings with you and I get angry. Love a good fight. I watch you this angry <laughs> this early. <laughs> All right, guys. Angry. From one troll to another. On Sunday, Browns second-year kicker Zane Gonzalez missed two field goals in two extra point attempts during the Browns' loss to the Saints. His final missed field goal would have sent the game into overtime. Plus, he also missed a potential game-winning field goal last week against the Steelers. So naturally, Browns fans were pretty frustrated with his performance, and they really let him have it on Twitter. The problem, though, is that they attacked the wrong guy. Check these tweets out. One of them says, how does it feel to be the reason the Browns franchise is still winless? Another one says, I hope you stub your toe every morning for the rest of your life. I hope you get stuck in traffic every night. This poor guy goes, guys, I'm just a college baseball coach. Relax. So luckily, it was a happy ending to the story. Once fans realized that they had the wrong guy, they tried offering him the job of kicking field goals instead. So, Raja, let's just add this to the list of reasons why you stay off of Twitter, right? Cor- correct. Nothing good ever happens on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I think this one's funny, brother. Some of the some of the some of the wishes that they had for Zane getting stuck in traffic, stubbing your toe. I think it's great. But I am concerned for the real Gonzalez who lives in Cleveland because. They're going to find him. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, dude, that's an ugly And hide in Cleveland. People have tried. You cannot hide in Cleveland. Apparently you can't win either because they've been, like, knocking on the door for the last two weeks. And they just it, – it literally feels like they cannot win. Like, they're not supposed to win a game at this point. So I have a new one for you for Cleveland that we can do. I'm doing one Bud Light for every point they score during a game. Oh, like so, it's a drinking game now. Because I can't wait for the whole Bud Light promotion <laughs> for them to win. So I've changed the rules. All right, fair enough. Okay. What else, Hannah? All right, last one, guys. I wish Danny was here for this one because I made fun of the FSU turnover backpack all weekend. But things have gotten a little bit more interesting than the backpack and the throne or whatever else we've seen. The turnover chainsaw has joined Oregon State. This one isn't as random as the backpack, though. So chainsaws have been a part of Beaver fandom for a while now. Apparently, it's a Pacific Northwest thing and something about the timber industry in Oregon. So OSU has even used it in older promotional videos. So, guys, I think we can all agree that the turnover chainsaw is just a little bit better than the other ones we've seen all year. Either that or I'm just throwing shade at Danny when he's not listening. 
It's all fun and games until someone loses an appendage. <laughs> right. It's all fun and games until you ever seen like uh well hot tub time machine. We talked about this before. Love it. Oh, he's juggling like uh what's his name? Love Crispin it. John uh Zach and Crispin Glover. Yeah, he's juggling the chainsaws, that's what it makes me think of. But uh like I you know, I get it. Everybody has to have a thing now. Um the chainsaw is better than a backpack, I'll give you that. I don't think everyone needs a thing. I think they do. Like, it bothers me. It, it bothers people, me too. People are like trying to find a thing. What they need. And you a end thing. up with a chainsaw. Everybody needs a thing. You, what's your thing? Uh, to come in here and be grumpy on Monday morning. <laughs> See, I feel like <laughs> that's Tuesday actually morning. you and <laughs> not a thing. That's my thing. No, that's that's not a thing. It is like a it's thing my... is something manufactured. No, a thing is like it... his acting skills. That's his thing. My acting skills are my thing. What acting? You know what? Butchering rundowns and shows are my thing. That's no, my thing. I think it's go. best when you're on camera rolling your eyes after a mistake to make it worse. Or what about like, what like this? <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe I didn't go to break right <laughs> Anyway, Don't I worry, like it Roger, better than I got it for you. I'm Thank you, take us to break. That's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canal and Bell. Coming up after the break, Raja and David break down today's leftovers, including a look at D-Wade's final return to Miami. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. Leftovers, bro. Dwayne Wade says his final goodbye on YouTube, was it? Or was it Twitter? It was a 10-minute video. 10-minute monologue video of him Soliloquy. saying what? Did you watch it? I didn't watch. I'm not watching that. There's, I don't have 10 minutes to spare when I've got NFL, MLB, college. I've got to do this. All I know is he's got a full year now okay. to get. I'm tr- I was trying to make a list last night of the gifts he'll get in each city oh. and what they would be. What do you think? Did What did you come up with? What are some of your more fascinating gifts? The think? easy one was obviously when he goes back to Denver. Yeah. I think he just gets some seats. Some se- <laughs> right? Because he'll have plenty of time. Right? That's an easy one. All right. Hollywood, when he goes to L.A., yeah. I think he's going to get his own personal makeup. Yeah? Because he's going to go Hollywood. Going to go Hollywood. He's been Hollywood, though. I mean, I... He is Hollywood. He is Hollywood. My bad, my bad. Be Hollywood. Now he's going to be Hollywood. All right. Um, Did you have any problem with, like, the announcement of sorts? Like, with the 10-minute? I mean, we... It's what he does. What he does. So you just expect... You know Dwayne Wade. You said it before we came on, though, that you appreciated the fact that he said he wanted the tour, right? Like, a lot of guys don't come out and say... Yeah, own it. You like that, right? When people, what, what about when guys pretend they're, they're retiring, then they come back, and then they say, oh no, don't fet me with gifts. Oh my God, it's a car and a rocking chair. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm going to tip my cap. <laughs> For me, Dwayne Wade, obviously Hall of Famer. What he's done, I'm never going to take that away from him. Right. In Miami. I don't love what he did with all the other teams and all the things he did with Cleveland, Chicago, et cetera, and the way it ended with Pat Riley. There's a lot more to that story. But, he came out yesterday and said, listen, one last dance. That's how we put it, one last dance. And it's hard the had to let him do it, but it's not going to be good. He's not the player he used to be. I think it's going to be a little messy, but I think he has earned the right, and I'm with you. Like, I don't mind him owning the fact that he wants the goodbye tour. Um, but generally speaking, those things don't work out well for the aging star, uh, wanting more minutes than the younger guys, and you trying to, as a front office, get, get ready for the future. The good news is the Heat don't have a great team. And they didn't have the cap space to do anything. Right. So if there were ever a year, that this, this could is work. a good this year. Is. And it's not like Kobe. He's not going to set the heat back years by signing that extra pillow deal at the end. You know who may have the cap space to sign D-Wade? Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather has more. That's that's a segue. He might have the cap space. Hold on. To... I'm just dealing with that segue. Yeah, right smooth, so right? Good. Smooth that criminal. Was smooth. <laughs> um, so you, he had a $100 million check that he threw up. It was unbelievable. It was a hundred million dollars. A million dollars. Million dollars. Um, and he's talking about possibly coming out of retirement. 
again uh, to fight Manny Pacquiao. Floyd's 41. He's fought twice since their last fight. And Pacquiao's 39. He's fought four times. Would you be interested? Would you watch a fight between Floyd and Manny? I'd watch it because I'm, I'm picturing Lemon and Mathel like two grumpy old men. <laughs> That's really what these guys are, right? right. They're just if, – if someone's going to pay him that much money, what would it take for you to get in the ring with Mayweather? Um, what would it take? I'm a hundred million. I'm in the ring with You're doing anybody. it for a hundred million. Anybody. Um, you'll Man- go ten rounds with Mayweather. Well, I don't know if I could last ten rounds, but if that was. No, you only get, you get ten million per round. Ten million per round. I mean, I, again, I don't know how long I would last in that, but Five I would, seconds. I would get the first round. I mean, I'd get my ten million because I'd be in there for ten million. Right. So if you put a number on per round, ask me if I would go. Yeah. Two million per round. I mean. You know what I love about professional athletes is that they have this illusion. Look- that they can be good in other sports. I'm disillusioned, clearly. I'm not saying I'd be good at it. I'm not saying that I would beat Floyd Mayweather or even give him a fight. You're asking me if I would get in the ring with him for $2 million a round, and the answer you to that is yes. Round. Okay? You'd be uncomfortable. But I still get the money for the first round. Let's pretend it's per minute. I'm just saying that you have this view, and I think you're Listen, Floyd Mayweather is 140 pounds. Yeah. I am going to bear hug him for – I'm going to dance around the ring with that cat for at least two rounds. He'd be out of breath in a minute. Uh, for hugging him? Yes. I'm in the – listen, Floyd, if you if you like to is. beat someone up, bro, if you – look, a million dollars a round, I'll come out there and spar with you. No problem. Now, you talk to me about a heavyweight, middleweight, somebody like that who's going to be able to physically, like, push me off and then break my jaw – yeah, probably not getting in the ring with that. Mayweather could smash your face in. Of course he could, but I'm gonna hug him up. Like I'm gonna love him up, bro. I'm gonna wrestle him. I'll knock. I'll tackle him if I have. I love to. how passionate you are about this. No doubt. But if they offer him 100 million again to fight Pacquiao, there will be a Mayweather Pacquiao. Yeah, I probably won't watch that. Um, all right, reports. Jimmy Butler is seriously contemplating his future with the Wolves. Good for you, Jimmy Butler. Um, he wants to know what what they're gonna look like going forward. It's got to be of concern to him. They've got the whole Bulls cast from 1985. None of his business. What do you mean it's none of his it's business? An outrage. He's calling and demanding a meeting with the front office and with his agent. Guess what? Put on your cup and go play. Put on your cup and go play. Don't wear cups in basketball. Jock. Uh, uh, I don't even know if they wear jocks anymore in basketball. No undies at all? A lot of games with tights now. There are a lot of things they do with like with the ah. tights and stuff like that. Um, like circulation. But <laughs> Jimmy Butler is your franchise player. Without Jimmy Butler there, there is no future. It is responsible from both sides for you guys to have dialogue about what this thing's going to look like going forward. If you lose Jimmy purely because you don't feel like you owe him an explanation, what do you look like going forward? I'm happy to talk to him. I don't want meetings demanded upon me by players. Well, I mean, I don't want that in the normal course of of communication with your best player. You're getting into semantics. This is semantics. Now you're talking about demanding versus like I semantics let's talk everything in this case. I don't want a player thinking that they can call a meeting to but they, ask me but they about can. the future. But of they the can in basketball. You're talking about a baseball. Baseball, football is different. Like in basketball, they very well can and should and do call meetings to find out what this is going to look like going forward because with one push of the button on a on a tweet he says that he don't want to be there and he only wants to be in four other places and now you're handcuffed well to me i'm going to be in charge of my destiny that's like with leonard and him going in toronto and all of a sudden i don't want to go here i don't want to play here yeah i want players to play wherever they're told to play because that's their contract until and unless you're a free agent then you can make your decision prior to being a free agent you're the, you are on a team. That's not the way that works though. But, and, and yes, he's on the team. He hasn't said he don't want to be in Minnesota, but you don't think a player has any, like, right to know what that's going to look like going forward if you're asking him for the prime of his career and he, he, he came there under the, 
under the the guise of you guys being viable as championship contenders for the next few years? You don't think you guys owe him a conversation? I do. I absolutely do. I'm happy that he was demanding that meeting, and I'm sure the Timberwolves and Tom Thibodeau are doing their best to assuage him that all is going to be well. Kawhi to the just don't know. Kawhi to the Clippers versus Lakers. What do you think about that? Don't they play in the same place? Yeah, but he's he's come out and said that he would rather kind of be a Clipper than be a Laker, which I find to be. A little interesting. Well, because he has a chance to forge his own reputation as a Clipper. He could be the greatest Clipper of all time. LeBron goes to the Lakers. And they, everyone saw what happened. Billboards. It's mayhem. Yeah, I. but that's still strange to me. The Clippers have never done anything. You have a chance to play with LeBron. It could be like two of the best two-way players. If he needs Microsoft. Point, he's Microsoft. Kawhi, go to the Lakers. If you're listening, go to the Lakers.